Welcome to Osborne Clark's Media Matters podcast. My name is TK Spiff and I'll be your host today. This is a podcast where we catch up with some of our experts in the media and entertainment sector and take a look at some of the key developments and market trends. This is another episode in our series focusing on the Draft UK Media Bill, where we take an episode by episode deep dive on the main areas of the bill. In this podcast, we're taking a look at VOD services and the overhaul and regulation proposed by the bill itself. And I'm pleased to be joined by Pippa Smith and Jamie Heatley, two of our resident experts in these areas. Pippa, welcome back. And Jamie, a, a new role for you in this series, being on the other side of the microphone. How's it feel? Yeah, it feels good, TK. Thanks very much. <laughs> good. Um, I just wanted to start with uh, a kind of a overview view of what the proposed reforms are and how does that actually compare with the current position and who's going to be in scope for these for these um proposed reforms yeah sure i'll i'll take that one um to kick off so the current position i'll get into a minute but i mean in terms of the kind of the main aim of this the vod part of the media bill um, it's really carried through from the, the broadcasting white paper, which the government put out um, in April last year, 2022, um, which um, the VOD part is all about kind of levelling the regulatory playing field between um, on-demand services and linear. And the background to that is, as you can imagine, that on-demand and streaming have really grown in importance and uh, perceived impact and significance in the kind of UK um, viewing market over the past decade. And now the government kind of recognises that they compete directly for UK audiences um, and in terms of the impact they have on those audiences with traditional linear channels. So this is really an attempt to redress that balance because at the moment um, on demand is subject to a much lighter touch regime as compared to linear. So the kind of overarching aim of this is to um, level up the VOD regime so it's subject to a slightly more stringent standards something more akin to the linear regime they've done that in a in a tiered way so it's um so it's not all services which are going to have to meet those stringent standards but we'll get into that in a bit more detail in a minute i think um but in terms of comparing the current position so currently a provider of a vod service which is made available to uk audiences um can only fall within Ofcom's jurisdiction in the UK if it has two things. So if it has its head office in the UK and it makes editorial decisions about the service in the UK. Um, and prior to Brexit, there was a, a sort of single market, essentially a passporting system throughout the EU, uh, and that was provided for by the AVMS directive. Now that we've um, left the single market so post brexit after the transition period the single market kind of passporting system has fallen away so um that no longer extends to the uk and there is this fallback regime in the european convention on transfrontier television which is a, a much older kind of um treaty but that doesn't actually cover vod so there's nothing to fall back on so essentially if you operate a service which is under uk jurisdiction um you can't then rely on that um, UK jurisdiction to um, to deliver that service into EU ter territories. 
So what happens now is if you fall under UK jurisdiction, if you've got a head office and editorial control in the UK, uh, and you meet the full kind of ODPS criteria set down in the Communications Act, then you need to notify Ofcom and you'll need to comply with ODPS rules. So that's the rules which apply to on-demand programme services in the UK. And that's, uh, as I said, a, a fairly flexible and light touch regime at the moment. Um, what the bill does is create a new category called Tier 1 VOD services. And those are either um public service broadcaster services so public service broadcaster on-demand services essentially which are used to fulfill their public service remit other than iPlayer or you know services operated by the BBC because iPlayer is already subject to um the broadcasting code essentially um so it's either those PSB services except for BBC or any other UK or non-UK um importantly um, on-demand service which has been designated either by naming that service specifically or by that service fitting within a definition which is all to be defined in secondary legislation so we don't actually know what the scope of that bit of the definition of a tier one service is going to look like because it's kind of tbc in secondary legislation but if we look at some of the kind of the explanatory notes and the accompanying comments on the bill um, the expectation is that it's going to include services um, which have a significant impact on audiences or are of a, um, a certain size and we don't exactly know how it's going to be calculated but the, the government's kind of indicated it's going to be the most TV-like services so I suppose services which are seen as competing for audiences with traditional linear TV and have a substantial impact on UK audiences, whether that's in terms of numbers or in terms of nature of content, we're not totally clear. Um, so that's going to create a two-tier system essentially. So you're going to have your kind of current ODPS services, which are going to continue to be regulated as they are now under UK jurisdiction, if they've got their head office and editorial control here, then you're going to have your tier one services, which is which are going to be subject to a higher set of standards. And those are either UK services, which meet the tier one threshold definition, or PSB services, which are going to be in that tier one, or non-UK um, VOD services, which meet the definition and are, you know, have have, have an impact on, on UK audiences. Um, so it's going to catch a broader set of, of of services and make those all subject to this kind of higher set of standards, which I think we'll get into in a minute. So, OK, so there's quite a lot to unpack there. I think I just wanted to focus on a couple of points that you, you mentioned. Um, in terms of kind of post-Brexit, do you foresee any issues or problems for companies who have kind of relocated to an EU territory post-Brexit and is there the possibility that these services could be subject to dual regulation in the UK and the EU? Um, yeah, I mean dual regulation could definitely happen. Um, so lots of businesses already have an EU base um, and an Ofcom notification in the UK so that they benefit from that um, EU um, AVMS directive country of origin passporting system that I mentioned. So if you've got that EU EU based um, 
notification or, or license in, in a new territory, then you can make your service available across the EU without having to comply with any um, local regime in any any received territory. Um, and then you also might want to have a Ofcom notification so you've got the certainty of being under Ofcom jurisdiction for UK purposes. But there are lots of services who just have an EU base and are then receivable in the UK and Ofcom put out some um, explanatory guidance but they won't seek to take any action against those services that are based in the EU but receivable here um, and anyway those services often fall outside of Ofcom's jurisdiction because they don't have head office or editorial control in the UK. Um, so that does mean that there's going to be a big impact if you are one of those non-UK services which is which meets this tier one service definition or, or threshold because those are suddenly going to become as you say, regulated by Ofcom in the UK. So you could then be in a position where previously you're just complying with your EU local territory rules. Now you have to think about those rules plus a separate set of rules in the UK. And it sounds like those aren't going to match up because um, the nature of the standards and the requirements which are proposed for tier one services in the media bill are much higher and more stringent than the kind of baseline provided for under the AVMS directive for EU purposes. So yeah, definitely potential for a dual regime and a more onerous UK regime than the one you find in the EU, interestingly. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I think you just, you mentioned kind of new standards. Um, could you give an insight into what these new kind of what standards are and do we know much about what will actually look like in this point in time? Yeah, so there's a few um, additional requirements for these tier one services under the under the media bill. And the first one to call out is, is a proposal to implement a VOD standards code for, for those service providers. <clears throat> so basically it means that if, if you are one of those tier one service providers, you need to meet a set of standards, um, which is um, separate and, as I say, more stringent than the, the regular ODPS rules. Um, and the bill actually sets out a set of standards ob objectives. So this standards code is going to be aligned to these certain standard objectives. And those broadly track the linear broadcasting code. So they cover things like um, protections for under 18s, uh, restrictions on content which incites illegal or disorderly conduct and, and some more general protections from offensive or harmful material. Um, there are impartiality rules, so news content needs to be presented with due impartiality. And also there are additional impartiality requirements in relation to what service providers can say. So if you're running a, a, a VOD service and it's a tier one service, you can't use your programming to express your own views or opinions on matters of uh, political or industrial controversy or, or comment on public policy, um, which has uh, garnered a certain amount of comment from industry because clearly those concepts are open to interpretation to a, to, to an extent. Um, so also news needs to be reported with due accuracy and there are protections regarding exploitative or abusive content in religious programming. So there was this concern which has come out in some of the 
the kind of oral evidence on the bill around US style um, slightly extreme religious programming being available to UK audiences and the impact that might have. So there's kind of um, a desire by the government to legislate against that type of programming being included in in the bigger VOD services, which are classified as tier one. So there's going to be a new code which meets those objectives. And what that means essentially is that there's going to be a need to be a big compliance process if you find yourself being regulated as, as a tier one service and a big therefore kind of administrative and cost implication because what you'll have to do is basically review and retrofit your entire catalogue um, to meet those requirements or to ensure that the, your, those requirements are met so look back through all your programming uh, whether that's produced in-house or you've acquired it from a third party and make sure you meet those standards and then anything else you produce or acquire in future will also you know be influenced by those standards so all of those kind of programming and 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 production decisions are going to be influenced if you are a tier one service by this new standards code so it's going to have a big impact on on um on streaming service providers uh, particularly those who are not psbs and so don't have a lot of um content on the service already which has gone through a sort of compliance check against a broadcasting code because if you are a PSB then most of your content is going to have been checked against a similar set of standards anyway but if you're not and you're not within the UK then this is all going to be completely new so as I say it's going to be a big big exercise to go back through your whole catalogue to make sure it's up to scratch. Got it. Wow yeah seems yeah it seems like a yeah, massive massive exercise that a lot of uh, a lot of industry players are going to have to go go through um pippa i just wanted to kind of hear from you i just wanted to touch on some of the accessibility requirements and just ask whether you could talk about some of those and is it a case of all service providers that are going to be expected to kind of adhere to these requirements or is it kind of the um tier one um, um service providers that that jamie mentioned yeah sure so um i think it's worth saying at the moment linear tv channels have to make a certain proportion of their programs accessible through things like subtitles signing or audio description um, but there's also an option for them to make financial contributions in lieu of these obligations in some circumstances um, for example to the British Sign Language Broadcasting Trust or um, something like that um, and until the proposals under the media bill came along there weren't really any equivalent requirements for VOD platforms um, so this proposed alignment of VOD accessibility requirements with those for linear broadcasters that we're seeing now is something that's generally been really welcomed uh, by industry um, and so the bill proposes to create new accessibility re requirements to tier one service providers that Jamie mentioned earlier um, and Ofcom will also publish an accessibility code to make sure that VOD services are accessible to people with disabilities um, in particular those disabilities that affect their sight or hearing or both um, and the bill actually sets targets for tier one service providers in terms of the provision of access services and percentage of catalogue hours that have to be subtitled or audio described or signed. Um, 
And so in the first two years, 40% of content must be subtitled, 5% audio described and 2.5% signed. But within four years, the percentage of total, total catalogue hours actually doubles to 80%, 10% and 5% respectively. Um, so service providers will really need to ensure that they've got their ducks in a row by then. Um, but the good news is that there is a bit of a grace period because these new accessibility requirements won't apply until two years after a VOD service becomes designated as a tier one service or when the accessibility code is published by Ofcom, whichever is the later. Um, and it's also worth flagging that Ofcom is free to set exemptions to some of these re requirements. However, before they do so, they'll have regard to factors like the extent of audience benefit, the size of the UK audience and how technic technically difficult it is for a service provider to comply. So how do these accessibility requirements under the bill, how do they fit in with, I guess, the broader trends under accessibility or equality laws that we already have? Yeah, so in parallel to the media bill in the UK, the EU has also introduced some new accessibility legislation um, in the form of the European Accessibility Act. Um, and the, that act introduces new accessibility requirements for service providers, um, well, for services providing access to audiovisual media services, which will include things like EPGs, set-top boxes, websites, apps, and other interfaces um, that are used to access broadcast and VOD services. And it also requires that products and services are designed in such a way to maximise their foreseeable use by persons with disabilities, um, which somewhat mirrors if not extends the obligations that we've currently got in the UK under the um, Equality Act to make reasonable adjustments. Um, and the European Accessibility Act will apply to EPGs and other platforms providing access to VOD, VOD services, which are launched in the, EU, the EU market after the 28th of June 2025. But services that are already available in the EU before this date have to ensure compliance by the 28th of June 2030. Um, so this means that service providers with UK audiences will need to reconcile these obligations um, also with the, their existing obligations under the Equality Act, um, which imposes an anticipatory duty on, on service providers to make reasonable adjustments to their service on account of users' disabilities. Um, so it's possible that many, many providers may already be satisfying, if not exceeding, these accessibility requirements that are proposed under the bill. But um, of course, there may still be some gaps so it's something that you need to assess on a case-by-case -case basis really okay great um thanks a lot for taking us through that and uh we'll see you next time